And now, two old school guys talking about music and stories about their radio days. It's T-Man and John, the music freaks. Hey, John Scott selection today, but it's so appropriate, you'll know why in a minute. Yes, indeed. Little R.E.M. from Fables of the Reconstruction. We gotta get to the chorus, it takes a while. This is Driver 8, by the way. Ah. Yes. They, you just gave the clue away. Sorry. Sorry. Didn't know there was a written portion of the test. <laughs> Take a break, driver eight. Little driver eight. I mean, it is episode eight. Episode eight. Ain't it great? Made it this far. Go to eight. Go to eight. That's what we're doing. We're going to our albums that are our own person that are our own personal faves. But if you had an album and there was like. Nothing but shit on the radio, and you're going, I can't find anything I want to hear. I'm on satellite. I'm on Pandora. I'm on Tony Man Radio. He sucks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Not Scritty Politi again. I, I know, right? Yeah. How many times can you play Perfect Way? And uh, what was that other boom that they had? That's stiff. I uh, forgot that yeah, one. Yeah, that was, that was like a big UK hit and went to 50 here. It was one of those bricks. Yeah. Um, but if you had an album you could listen to, a go-to oh, album. Oh, there's Scritty Politi. They showed up. Oh, All no. All you got to do is call you. It's like beckoning their name. Stop. It's like saying Beetlejuice. What is that, like Alexa? What yes, happened just then? Um, <laughs> but if there's an album you could go to and just listen all the way through and just love every track... That's mm-hmm. what we're talking about today here on the podcast. That's right. Some that go just deeper than just, oh, this is a collection of good songs. Right. These are songs, these are albums that really have become part, uh, or at least at one time in your life, really became part of who you are. Yep. I mean, just amazing, an assemblage of uh, of music. I couldn't trim it down to under 100, Tony. I'm just I, well, letting you know, this is going to be the longest podcast. Ever. Well, you know, I mean, I, I actually, I, I came up with 10 I could have probably come up with 50 at least. Without thinking twice. I really had to trim this a lot because yeah. I was thinking of so many that I was like, oh, well, yes, I lived with that one for this long. Well, and after I came up with the 10, I remembered another one that I wanted to throw in there, and I'll just give it an honorable mention today. Honor- That's honorable all. mention goes to? Uh, Atlanta Rhythm Section, Champagne Jam. Very nice. Yeah. I'm not going to let it bother me tonight. And Imaginary, Imaginary Lover. Imaginary Lover. And uh, uh, Large Time. Large Time. Large Time kicks off that album, if I'm thinking right. Uh, it was bon the start bon of bon one bon of the bon sides. Bon yeah, at least it was the start of a side. Yeah, yeah, and Champagne Jam, of course. Yes. Just a lot of great songs. One of the great e- bass solos ever by Eveline. Paul Eveline. Was Eveline e- on Eve- there? I don't, is that one on that one or um, on Rock and Roll Alternative? Can't remember. I I. I for Needless to reason, say, it is an honorable mention. Yes, an honorable mention, ARS, right here. With Jacksonville Roots. Well, of course. Two of those guys in uh, ARS from Jacksonville. Well, that was one of my early shows, one of my early concerts. I want to say it was like 1978, 79, just mm-hmm. out of high school and loving life and playing around and drinking Mad Dog 2020 and just, you know, being an idiot. And <laughs> Champagne when, Jam, for, uh, Eveline from Champagne Jam. You yeah, there correct, you go. Sir. Okay. Good. Track eight. Uh, hadn't, <laughs> hadn't got the track track. Hang on, oh, track, come on, man! Track listing. Thank you, Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, track eight, Eveline, ladies and gentlemen. Scary, and, and it can... does kick off with Large Time. Yeah. Not gonna let it bother me. Normal Love, Champagne Jam, Imaginary Lover, Lois Malone. That's right. Oh uh, yeah. The Great Escape, some cool blues there, and Eveline. Yep. yep. That was a good. And I can and tell that's you... just this. That's just our honorable mention. Just I imagine know. the ones we love. I know. And I can tell you the label because I'm stupid like that. Yes. Polydor. Polydor, yes. Thank you. Yes, indeed. God, I don't know. I don't know why in my bank of useless trivia, mm-hmm. 
record labels come up. My friend Dave, uh, who should be a part of this every every week, is the same way. And he'll tell you that the label, as no matter how obscure, and the color of the label. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember that, too. You're the same too. way. I know. Yeah. Y- y'all are both nuts. I know. You're born one day apart. Like you're, oh, are we? Which one are you, the 16th? I'm the 16th. Dave's yeah. born on the 15th, the, 15th. the exact same year. Yeah, he has the same birthday as Dan Marino. Y'all are one day apart. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we're weird like that. Yes, you are. You're it must be weird. something about the day. I don't think it's so much Virgo, but I think it's the <laughs> day. You know, are you going to float on now? <laughs> yeah. Hi, Tony. I'm hey, a Virgo. That's right. Float, float on. Cancer. I want people to love me for me. And my name is Larry. Larry. I loved Larry. He was my favorite floater <laughs> the of all floaters. the floaters. Boy, talk about a one-hit wonder there. We'll have to do a show on the the obscure one-hit wonders, not even just the one-hit wonders everybody knows. Right. But float on. The float on one-hit wonders. Huge song. Huge. <laughs> Came out of total left field. My and it name was like, is Larry. Oh yeah, it Larry got played Larry. everywhere. All righty, let's dive in. We are five minutes in, and we haven't heard. We heard the honorable mention. Well, then start with one. But now Go it's ahead. time to do this. This is off your list. Is it? This is your list. Okay. And uh, to tell me why the Pat Benatar album is such a oh, uh, memorable album, for dude. You. 1980. Yeah. And I'm sitting around listening to uh, album rock radio because back then they actually did it. Mm-hmm. Um. And they started playing Crimes of Passion, the whole album. You'd hear Treat Me Right. You'd hear um, Hit Me With Your Best Shot. Yeah, it used to be What Did We Not Play rather than What Should We Play. It Absolutely. was like, What Should We Not Play off this album. Yeah, I mean, and and she was the first female video that was played on MTV because The Buggles was first. <laughs> and the then video Pat Benatar. Radio star. Yep, and then Pat Benatar's video. Um, was it Treat Me Right or was it uh, You Bet? No, You Better Run. That was it. Oh, yeah. You right. Better Run. Doom, doom, Another great doom, song. Doom, just doom, every doom. track on that song, I just got into it so much. And she was hot. Yes. And every album, but that, if you looked at those early videos, they were exactly the same. Oh, of course. She's standing like on a dark street yep. and wearing the uh, leather pants and whatnot. Well, everything. And this comes on. I know, right? This is such tight production. Yeah. Great songwriting. Some yep. catchy, catchy songs. Absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. This was her first top ten. Mm-hmm. And then she had two others after that. She had two other top tens? She did. Uh, she had uh, Shadows of the Night. No, that peaked at like 13. Yeah, that was like 12, I think. Oh, oh Love is a Battlefield. Yeah. Had to be. Out. She won a Grammy for it. Did she really? Yeah. Okay. And went to five. Oh. And she had another one? She had another we one. Belong? Bam. Wow. That went to five as well. Holy cow. Yeah. I know more Benatar than I thought I did. Good pull there, Johnny. There we go. Yeah. This was off that same uh, Crimes of Passion. It was just, lo- it was just yeah. loaded. It was that good, chunky. I mean, she was kind of like uh, the, the bridge between what was considered new wave music yes. and then just straight up rock and roll. Yep. And she was right there because she had she this really little was. crisp, brittle kind of sounding music. And yeah. it was uh, had enough edge to make rock radio. Yep. And but she was just, she could sing. Oh, oh dude, gosh. I know. Opera voice. She really does have like a, some kind of five octane. And uh, so octane, little. Octave voice. Yeah, there you go. She it's has oct- octane. Yeah. She has octane. Yeah, she does. Wow, she's valuable these days. Indeed. Wow. Yeah. Boom. Little Pat Benatar. Oh, great. Great album. Great album. Mm-hmm. I would go back and listen to that in a snap. And when was the last time you listened to it as an album? Oh, gee, as an album, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while, but when we were compiling these things, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a must-have on that list. Right. The ones the ones I compiled are probably the ones that I've listened to through all the way through in the past five years still. Yeah. yeah. 
and, yeah. and, and would do it again right now. If, oh, we, yeah. if you and I, I looked at your list, yeah. and if you and I were on a road trip, I'd go, I could listen to those 10. Yeah. And we can make it to Dallas. Yeah. With that. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I, I loved your list. Thank good, you. Good stuff. Thank you. Good stuff. Good stuff. And here's the funny thing. Yours was more, even though I had some, there's some hits on mine. Yeah. Most, a lot of my albums are the ones that didn't have a bunch of hits. And which is odd because I love, I love hit radio yep. and I love hit music. Yep. But I also love the other stuff. Yeah. Big other stuff. Well, guy. that's what, that's why we're music freaks. That's true. I mean, that's why we named it this because we just, we, you and I, I think, could sit down on any given day of the week and listen to whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever. That's true. Um, the other day I was in a buddy of mine's car and he's a huge Rolling Stones fan. I mean, he has a room in his house, all Rolling Stones. Okay. What CD is in his player? Zach Brown Band. <laughs> what? Yeah, and why? A little and why? Bit of everything, well, man. you know why that was there? Because they opened for the Stones. They did. In Atlanta. They were going to open in Jacksonville until they canceled the show. Yeah. Yeah, they were supposed to open for them here, I think. But it's yeah. stuff like that. I mean, you, you can go through my wall. You can go through my wall in my office, right. and it's like stupid. You're just all over the place. You know, you go in the S's, and it's probably like Streisand, and then the next thing it might be Stryker. And then, or, of course, that's Gritty Politi. And, oh, that's in there. You know it is. You know it is. <laughs> well, you know, this one is one of the albums that I can't live without. And I say I didn't have many hit albums, but this. Oh. Oh, dear me. Gee, yeah, of course. This album, and this is through and through album, just worn the grooves out yeah. in 1973, 1974. Yep. And the last track, 1985. Yeah, which goes back to the band on the one reprise at yeah. the end. Yeah, yeah. And this one had Jet. But then those were fine. Yep. But it was the non-hits on this yeah. album that got me the most like no words yeah and um mamunia even that little sweet little mamunia uh-huh, song uh-huh. uh crazy song picasso's last words yep. which is the song i think dustin hoffman he and he and paul mccartney help me on this one if you know this story is that uh dustin hoffman bet him he couldn't write a song about anything Oh, really? I did not know that. And I think McCartney on the spot started singing uh, Drink to Me, Drink to My Health about the Picasso dying. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm not surprised by that's that. That's on the album uh, Band on the Run, Mrs. Vanderbilt, and uh, yeah. uh, that great blues, Let Me Roll It, which he still does in concert a lot. Does he? Yeah. Yeah. So, that album, I was 13, and that album yep. was me yep. at age 13. So good. So, that was a, that was a great one. So good. We're going to move on. We're going to move on to you. Okay. And we head out to 1977. Oh. The album that came out, I I believe, the fall of 1977. I know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And when, I think, was this the first cut? Let's see if this is the first cut. First song? First song on one side. I don't know. Black Cow? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's first. First song, right? Yeah. 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 Asia from Steely Dan. Oh. Seven tracks. Seven tracks, and I think three singles. They're unbeatable. We're off of this. Definitely um, Deacon. And John if Josie was released, but still, yeah. Yeah, it was, which was really odd because the third single, well, it could have been a third single um, because Josie was released after their track from FM. Oh, okay, I got it. Because, yeah, that came right in the spring of 78. Yeah. Almost after... Was it, it was after after Peg, maybe. Peg was first. That FM came out. Yeah, Peg was first. And then they went first. back and got Deacon Blues and got Josie? No, actually, it was Peg, Deacon, FM, Josie. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. What a great album. Uh, and this yeah. album, 
Let me tell you how good this album is. My stepson, Chaz. Right. He's in his 30s. He can't get enough of this album. I've turned him on to Steely Dan. You're a smart, good man. And he just, he can't get enough of this album. He, he loves it. It's timeless, and it's probably considered to be one of their best, of course. But I would, I could pick, I would have picked this album too, I think. Okay. But I also could have picked Gaucho. Oh no! Almost yeah, no picked, doubt. Almost picked uh, "Can't Buy a Thrill," the first yep. album they did yep. with all those. You could have uh, gone, and you could have gone with any Steely Dan, and you would not be wrong. And the Royal Scam, and even yeah. the one that's got uh, any major dude. Uh, that's Pretzel Logic. Pretzel Logic. Yeah. Gee whiz. I know. Yeah, I could have bunch, bunch of them, bunch of them. And this right. uh, this actually had in the background Michael McDonald. Yeah, going. Bird, bird, bird. And that, yeah, because that, that was his signature back then. When he was not with the Doobie Brothers, he was oh, on, on like every record. song. There's a great Second City uh, skit where Rick Moranis is being Mac- Michael McDonald. He's driving <laughs> all around L.A., jumping into studios and singing. Uh, He's like, and I got so, oh, such a long way to go. Uh-huh. Christopher Cross. Yeah. 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 I mean, he was with everybody back then. There, there he is. is. Of course, he wasn't officially in Steely Dan before he joined the Doobie Brothers. Right. Michael wasn't. Right. And Michael McDonald's talks about singing harmonies on this. Yeah. That it was on that foreign movie part was basically him tracked three times, but singing at different sl- slice of a harmony. He goes, I never knew harmonies could be that th- close together. No kidding. And they, they wanted him to do the all three. You know, he said, you, you work for Steely Dan, you're working. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. But well, they, they got but, what they wanted. And you know how many musicians were on this album? 150. Almost, almost 40. Anybody in L.A. and New York, Almost they 40, yeah. Well, they brought in 20 people to do the solo for Peg. Yeah. Yeah. This one right here. Ended up being Jay Graydon, I believe. They had like 20 of them. And they're going like, yeah, that's pretty good. And it wasn't what they wanted, but then this one shows up and they go... We have a winner. Well, Donald Fagan is such a perfectionist. Yes. And I mean, to work with as many people as he has worked with, I mean, I'm sure it was very hard for him to get, you know, who he wanted, number mm-hmm. one. But number two, okay, then who do I pick? Exactly. Who's going to be on the final cut here? Yeah. It was an embarrassment of riches is what they had when it yeah. came to that. Yeah. And uh, for speaking of uh, which album I would choose of a certain artist... It really got, could have spun a wheel, and whatever it landed on, I would have been pretty good if it came out in the 70s. And I ended up going with Intervisions. Oh. Good choice. The Stevie Wonder album. Good choice. Yeah, we we need a road trip just to do this. <laughs> I know. You know what I mean? I know. And this Intervisions album, my sister bought it, so I think that's why it, it got close to me, because my sister bought it, had it in the house. Right. And so I, we did not own the Talking Book album. We didn't own... Um, we didn't own the second one. And so when Intervisions came out, it was just at the house, and I ended up just playing this incessantly inside sure. the house. Sure. And so now, then I got my own car, and then that was the cassette I bought, and then got and CDs, and this was one of the out. first CDs I bought. And now I, you know, listen to it on Spotify now, and it's it's one of the ones that pop up. In fact, I did the end of my, you know, Spotify will tell you yeah. the most things you've listened to at the Stevie. end of the year. Stevie was in my top five. Yeah, yeah, and it was this album in my top five. Yeah, so, of course. just incredible stuff. I know. And, uh, you got higher ground on this one. See, I think that's his best track yeah. ever. I really do. I, yeah. I could listen to this forwards, backwards, sideways. It might not sound right, <laughs> but I would still listen to it. That's just wicked. Yeah, I know. I and he know. played just about everything. Once again, it was like Stevie on all instruments except maybe a trumpet here or maybe oh, yeah. a bass on this one. On that whole Intervisions album, it was the Stevie Stevie doing Stevie. Crazy and once talent. again, I could have done Songs in the Key of Life. Yeah. 
Easily. And because I, I've, I've worn that one out to even all, yep. f- all four sides plus the bonus single that came yeah. in the album. What was the bonus single on it? Oh, it was like Saturn Eyes or something. Oh, what was it? It wasn't Persian Delight. It was. <laughs> 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 go, go to Misheard Lyrics podcast yeah. <laughs> number whatever and you'll hear Persian the, Delight. Uh, uh, yeah, I had, to, I had called. to throw that in, dude. It was you know, I, 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 I couldn't go past that. Come on, <laughs> too good. You set me up perfect for that. I really did. Sorry about that. Uh, here to here to serve. Here to serve. <laughs> we move up into the '80s in an album I know Tony Mann has always said is one of his all-time favorites. No, no, freaking brainer. No brainer. I so fell in love with this band. With this album, I I saw them on. Uh, remember that comedy show Fridays? Oh yeah, I saw them on that show. Did you? And they did. Do you believe in love and working for a living? Yep. From the album, picture this. Picture this. this one. Yep. And I really thought, oh, these guys are cool. They're yeah. solid, good rock band. They're not too stupid. This once again, you put it in nineteen early eighties, where everybody either had a weird hairdo, yeah, or or they were wearing you know something funky and oh, stupid. Yeah. Uh, their band was wearing jeans, yeah, and singing straight up rock and roll. And I'm like, we- I can like these guys. And wearing members only jackets. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Don't forget that. I still have mine. Are you oh kidding me? Oh, my gosh. Me? That's too funny. I do. It was red. My Mazda RX-7 was red. I had to keep it. Had oh, to. Lord. I don't oh, have the car so anymore, funny. but, you know. That's hey. so funny. Yeah, you could pick. Bad is Bad was not a single. Great song. Yeah. You Crack Me Up, another non-single. Great yep. song. I mean, just, oh, man. Man, oh, man. Man, oh, man, oh, man. And side one, four songs, three hits on side one pretty good back when the album was out right this was not this was track one heart and soul was track two bad is bad was track three i want a new drug was track four then you flip the album over walking, walking on a, a thin, thin line. line it's like you can't lose with this album i, I mean ah oh. and then you would get into you crack me up and you crack me up was uh huey wrote that song because he was uh they were playing regularly at some little dive bar i guess right and the crowd used to kill him like walking out he'd hear all these jokes from people and he wrote a song about that crowd calling it you crack me up very good yeah very good solid album now does uh, it stand up you still listen to it you would listen oh to yeah it right of course absolutely i found out that most of my most of my albums when i first made my original list were all from like the early 70s yeah I well, mean, and I thought that's my first time where I'm really starting to listen to albums as they are. So those are the ones that are the nearest and dearest. Well, I've got one that's old there too in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. Or no, actually, it was late 60s. Oh yes, exactly. Yeah. With uh, with uh, John. We'll have to John get to and that. The brothers. You know, yeah, we'll have yeah. to get to that. Yeah. And, and and this one was one on my list because, and, and it's really stood the test of time. It, it had a Billboard record forever, and. But this one moved with us uh, to when I, uh, the first big move. I was 10 years old. We lived on the north side. Then we moved out to uh, over Venetia area. Oh, yeah. And and so that whole summer, I was basically, I had to stay in the house for the most part. We did yeah. yard work, and I'd go get in the house and just sure. kind of hang out. Sure. And so this this album in the sp- summer of 71, and my sister was working a lot, so I was hanging out by the, myself a lot. But this was my best friend. This album was. And I still love this yeah. album. Tapestry for Carol King. Yep. Good choice. And every cut. My goodness. Yeah. You had hits. You had this. You had uh, 
It's Too Late on there. Smack Water Jack. Yes. Great song. And then you had her original, the, you know, the song she wrote that others had hits with, like You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. Yep. And then also... You, um, You've Got a Friend, was that on there? You've Got a Friend yeah. is on there. Yeah. Which, at the same time, that and the James Taylor was having a yeah. hit, pop hit with it. He was. And then she also wrote the old Shirelle song, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? And yep. she did a, a slower, more complaintive oh, yeah. version of it. And it was just... Uh, it was so cool, but the song's like so far away. Yeah. And there was just yeah. one great song after another. It was. And the production of it is incredible. I know it's it. not too much of anything. And you got people like Linda Ronstadt and Joni Mitchell and uh, James Taylor singing harmony back up on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty darn good album. Yeah, pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. Yeah. And, and okay. It, and it does. Uh, it does stand the test of time. Let's to me. file that in the pretty darn good <laughs> album category, please. It's officially pretty darn good. Yeah. We'll move back to the 80s for Tony Mann, and this, without a doubt, would be on my list as well. But uh, you had it on yours, so I didn't put it on mine. Okay. But we would definitely share this album. I was just listening to that in the car. <laughs> you know, we're going to have a wing ding. That's the last album I to in the car, yeah. We're going to have a wing ding. This was, I, I, when I started my CD collection in 1982, or 83, whatever it was, Yeah. this and one other were the first two I ever owned as CDs. Same here. If you can guess the other one, I will. Oh my! You know, I, I don't now, know that you can. We but didn't get. I didn't get CDs until like eighty four, eighty five, okay. maybe. Well, this came out in October of eighty two. Yeah, this did. Yeah. And the al- the other album you got came out when? Can you give me that? <laughs> right around it. So it was an early, a late eighties album. No, it was early. It was. It was early. Well, let's see. I want. Let me say early to mid. Let me say that. All right. Uh, let me let me look up something what here. What was the other one? What I bought, we bought uh, Born in the USA. So this is this was uh, uh, this is Jill and I. We bought we, 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 the one we compromised on was um, Born in the USA. I think that was the one we both wanted. Okay. And then I got this one. Mid eighties. Okay, mid eighties. Mid eighties. And uh, and and Jill got uh, never a dull moment. Rock. I mean, uh, every picture tells a story. Okay. So anyway, those are our th- first three CDs. So yours was this one, and something from the mid eighties. Rock. Well, pop rock. I don't know. What you got? It was uh, John Mellencamp. Oh. Scarecrow. Scarecrow. Yeah. Uh, that that almost made this list yeah i had to knock it off this list even even like the fifth single from scarecrow uh-huh. rumble seat yeah was a great song and i almost put the next one on there lonesome jubilee i thought yep. that was a great album that was too. good too yeah yep paper and fire was on that one. yep yeah great stuff it's, you know, once again this could roll forever i could end up just i know just endlessly finding songs well this donald fagan i mean if you're ever in the mood to listen to something that's not really jazzy kind of poppy mm-hmm. you know the songs on this album were too cool for pop radio. Oh, yeah. This IGY. It only went to 26. New Frontier only made it to 70, and that's my favorite track on the whole album. Yeah, me too. Um, Green Flower Street. This version of Ruby Baby. Great version. The Goodbye Look. Maxine. Um, Maxine. Walking and through Raindrops. And, of course, The Nightfly. And The Nightfly. Hello, Baton Rouge. Yeah, yeah. Turn your stereo down. The goodbye look. The, the one line that we spoke of. I, I was saying to you before we started yeah. recording here today. Right. Uh, 
Pour me another Cuban breeze, Gretchen. Gretchen. Where the hell is that coming from in that song? It's like so left field, but it's, that's Donald Fagan, and he makes it work. That was like my grown-up album. I, I got a new car at that time. Yeah. I had these kind of clunky kind of cars most of the time. Oh, me too. And then I'm 22 or 21, and I get uh, I get a Pontiac of, of like a fire, not a Firebird, uh, just like more of a uh, like a, a, night, a regular car, not a sports car. Oh, okay. No, not a gas guzzler like, no, I, like my Trans like Am was? J2000, mm. and it was because uh, I was going to have a grown-up job before I got in radio, <laughs> and so I had that grown-up car, <laughs> and so I got me some grown-up albums and definitely had, you know, I loved it anyway, but the Nightfly was perfect. For my grown-up car. Yeah. Because it had that little jazzy kind of feel oh, to it. yeah. But just, I mean, outside of Maxine, which is the slowest track on the album, mm-hmm. you can just cruise with that in there. My oh. favorite line in that song. It might be my favorite line in that album. Drive to the coast and drive right back again. Yeah. Because we used to do that just to, yeah. because you're in the car. Because you're in the car. Let's go somewhere. Right. Go down A1A. Well, you could that back then because gas was dirt cheap. <laughs> That's true. You know, I mean, what was it? Was it, was it, uh... Those were the days. Well, the, the... <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the gas wars were in the seventies, right? Oh, I remember twenty three point nine at the Hess on San Juan Avenue. It's like what, what, yeah, your gas wars, and there's lines out to the street. Then and it jumped up in the late seventies, and so we had a little, you know, we had a little small. Yeah, it little jumped up to what? The, what fifty seven like, nine? No, it was like what a was buck it? fifty. Remember, it got stupid for now, a while. Oh, stupid! Down. A buck fifty, stupid. Yeah, I'll take it now. Yeah, thank you. Wouldn't yeah? Uh yeah. I'll take this any day of the week. This album, once again, talk about being part of your life. It's been part of my childhood, and we had like four albums at the house. We had four albums at the house in like 1966, and one was a Beatles album. Then we had like, of course, a Herb Alpert album because that was the law. Oh, it was. That you had to have a Herb Alpert album in the house. And then I think Peter, Paul, and Mary. Um, And so... And then what? Percy Faith? Perry Como? No, no, we didn't didn't have the crooners, and I don't know why. My my dad had a uh, Broadway, uh, some Broadway stuff. But this album was in there, and that really, this has become uh, my go-to. I- I'm thinking if I had to only pick one, yeah, this would be okay. it. Oh. That sounds. From you the know Beach what? Boys. It's funny you bring up the Beach Boys, because I have something I want to add to it that is not a go-to kind of thing. Okay. But it was just something. What you got? Uh, uh, <laughs> being that I play a lot of Beach Boys on Cool 100.9. Right. This, by the way, is like in the Billboard, or the Rolling Stone Top 500 of all time. And this was a stiff, but such a great song by them. God only knows. Oh yeah, great Be- song. Because the, the public wasn't ready for something this beautiful. No, no, no. They oh. wanted more surf, and Brian was ready to grow up. Yep. And yep. And then this, and Brian. The, that's when he quit touring with them, and he went home and made all this music. And then the guys came back off tour yep. and said, "Okay, sing this part." Okay, you sing this part. Yeah. And that's what they did. Okay. And they came home to this, and everybody's kind of shaking their head, going, what the heck has he gotten into? Yeah. And Mike Love really wasn't happy with hardly any of it, because, hey, where are the surf songs? Right. And For a minute and 50 seconds, or right. whatever they were. Exactly. Yeah. And then you hear this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's some of the most beautiful music, because, you know, you can buy the, the, the CD, the four... CD set of the just the album, yeah, and one of them is just backing tracks, yeah, and one of them is just the string sections, and you listen to this and it sounds like straight up classical music when yeah. you're just listening to a string arrangement. It is so beautiful you can't even tell what song it's from. Wow, and it's so gorgeous. Yeah. And this album just continually gets deeper and deeper. I don't know. There's just something about the music on this album, and it did hit me when I was five. 
but it didn't well, hit me as a grown-up It's not supposed to I hit you up. as a five, as five. I know, but there was like, uh, what was the other one? Because then uh, your last name would be like Einstein or something were, like that. <laughs> there, was <a> couple, <laughs> there were a couple of great songs that were on there that were hits. Yep. Because it would be nice. It would be. Duh. That's what the label said. Wouldn't it be nice if you had a hit on here? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> so this was on there, and um, Caroline No was yep. on that. God only knows. Sloop John B. Yep. And those were the the hits, but it wasn't big enough. It didn't. The album itself was uh, when it came out was not a huge hit. Not as big as the other ones they've had. Oh, of course not. And so that's yeah. when Brian said, "Well, what are you going to do?" And right. then he put out good vibrations yeah so and said okay here's your single now what well we need to uh maybe the next episode we had talked about this a while back you Uh and i did off mic um songs that um sound alike got sued didn't get sued whatever okay well the beach boys i'm just gonna say this i don't want to give it all away because we'll talk about it on another episode we have a lot to get to here Uh beach boys jan and dean there's a song by both of them Okay, the Beach Boys came out with it first. I'll say that. Then Jan and Dean came out with this ripoff. And it's like, okay, how how did this happen? I, I don't want to get into it any more than that All because... Right. Brian may have written them because they were good friends. And I know they were good Brian friends. Brian wrote, wrote some of their hits. Well, this thing, maybe you know the backstory of it when we talk about okay. it on that episode. Oh, we'll, but we'll it's we'll like, that. well, we need to do that because okay. the, the, I, I, just this one. morning, just this morning, I was saying, as I was looking in the Billboard Bible... Right. I was just saying, how in the hell did they pull this off? I, I, I don't know. But, so that's that's that that's going to intrigue folks for maybe the next episode. Maybe so Jan and Dean will be in our next episode. Maybe I like it. Maybe okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. okay. Straight from Jan and Dean. Straight from Jan and Dean. And there's nothing segues better from Jan and Dean to this. <laughs> oh yeah, because they're both in the car right now. <laughs> This is on Tony's list. Oh, what a great album. And I was not the biggest Rush fan growing up. No, I, I wasn't either. Guys in high school who were like, Rush, Rush rules, Rush rules, Beatle fools. Right. And then uh, They were all album, high as a kite. And then this album came out. Yeah, and then boom. Yeah. Just exploded. And that's when I stopped and said, okay, I, I can't be a, a snob anymore on this. That's just, that's just amazing music. Yeah. 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 I definitely respected it. Moving Pictures is the name of the album. Great album. Because you had this and you had... That one. There you go. There you go. Yeah. A little bit of limelight thrown yeah. in there. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Great Neil Peart. I know. So sad he's gone. But the vocals of Getty Lee, who who matched? Who, who could you think of that might match his vocals? Anybody close? No. No, and I, I, you can't even. It's one of their most original voices. Yeah, kind of like David Byrne right. of Talking Heads. You're like, I, I don't think he sounds like anybody. I don't either. And, and I don't but, know. If, I, it's it's be a good question, Getty. Who did you who did you grow up listening to? Like you know, Huey Lewis and, and Bob Seger. They just all wanted to sound like Wilson Pickett. Right. And they'll they'll right. they'll they'll, all, they'll both admit that Huey admitted that to me. Uh, Getty would be like, I, I wanted to sound like Wilson Pickett, but this is the best I got. Yeah. So maybe he did. I don't know if there was a, a singer he emulated. Maybe it was John Anderson from Yes, because I know he was yep. a huge Yes fan. Yep. yep. So I don't know. That's a good one. The only person I can think of maybe that might hit notes close to Getty, maybe, Lou Grimm. 
Yeah, Lou's was more throaty. Though. It was very but he, throaty. But he, but he it wasn't a, as clean as Getty's. Incredible range. He did. That's one of those things when you think. I was thinking of uh, other singers that put me out of business when I was going to try to be a singer in the late '70s. All of a sudden, everybody with these beautiful tenors came out, yeah. and they were throaty. And you think, well, I can almost sing that because I have a throaty voice. No, no, yeah. they're way the heck. Michael McDonald. Yeah. Michael McDonald, you try to sing some of those. It's not, not easy. even close. Not easy. And that's what's amazing to me. Yeah. Uh, Seeger's the same way. Yeah. You think Bob Seeger's got that? You have to get way the heck up there to even start. Right. And uh, Getty, right. of course, is in the stratosphere. He really is. Yeah. Ooh. Great album, though. I got this might be the best album purchase I made. This goes back. This is on my list. I'm sure it would be on your list if you had a top 20. I'm pretty much sure of this. The This is the best uh, buy, best discount deal I ever got. It was in a did bin. Did it have that best value sticker on it? It did. Okay. It was two. Uh, these were two CDs for ten bucks. Back when everything else was selling for fifteen. Yeah. This was in the cutout, basically the cutout bin, and uh, it was a it was two separate albums, mm. two separate albums together. Okay. And I got these two for like ten bucks or whatever wow. it was. Okay. And and this and I would have paid twice. I would have played double for both of them. Right. But uh, and it's it's Rush. It's exactly this one. No, is it? No, it's, See? it's not. It's not. Oh yeah. Duh. Duh. Marvin, Marvin. The first side of this album is might be might be the best. Uh, that rivals to me. It rivals. Uh, well, something else. No, it's not on your list. It rivals Abbey Road side too. Yeah. This one and it, it all goes together. Abbey Road almost made my list. Mine here. too. Almost. This side with what's going on, and then he does this whole jazzy thing in the middle. But they all, it all goes together. Yeah. All for one side of the what's going on album. Yeah. And this was the album he wanted to make, and Barry Gordy said, "Hell no." I know. Barry Gordy said, "You are a fool." Yeah. Come running back here to our formula. We want to do. We'll make some more hits for you, Marvin. And he's yeah. like, "No, this is what I'm doing." And Barry wanted nothing to do with it. Every time my wife hears this song. She says it every time. That song has the weirdest ending of any song I've ever heard. Oh, with that. Yes. Yeah. You know why? Because it goes. It, it goes actually, into another track. It goes into that track, that next track. And she doesn't know that. Have Mercy Father, I think, or whichever one that is. Yep. And then it goes into Save the Children. Yep. And then it goes from Save the Children straight into. Oh, my. I know. The segue from that song to this one. Uh-huh. It gives me chills it's, every stinking it's time. It's epic. It really is. All on one side of it. I know. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this is so chill. Have this mercy. So Have chill. mercy. <laughs> oh, man. I love yeah. this stuff. Great song. Great What's going album. on, album, Marvin Gaye? And I got that one in Let's Get It On. Oh, yeah. On the uh, two albums for the oh, price of one. Oh, okay. That was the one I got. Jeez. That and What's Going On and Let's Get It On. Back wow. Back. That was a deal. Crazy. Yeah, that was a deal. You were right. a fool. This you, is, if you would have walked away from that, I really would have. I'd slap you silly exactly. for not getting that. Good stuff. Silly. Oh. You hear me when I say silly? I understand. Thank you. Yep. Good stuff. Oh, my goodness. We need to road trip. Yes, we do. What the hell? Or just ride around the damn parking lot. <laughs> we'll Something. Take, and we'll take this one from 1979 on your list. Okay. This album took 18 months to get done. 18. You wonder why they were worn out and that, wanted to quit? Not just cooked from the cocaine alone. That's, well, yeah, probably. Don Henley's a dang perfectionist, too, though. He is. Totally. Trisha Yearwood told me a story, Don Henley's story. Okay. Well, say it. She said he, he spent all day. You know, he did the uh, background vocals for uh, Walk Away Joe. 
Okay. Big, huge Trish Yearwood hit. Okay. Which almost made my list. This uh, that album, Hearts okay. and Armor. Yeah. And uh, he does like, you know, maybe 25, 30 seconds of harmony on the album. Eight hours. Eight he, hours? He just kept wanting to get it right. Damn. He was like, I think I can, let me, let me try something else. Wow. She said he was there all day. It's like, talk about a pro. No kidding. He was such a pro. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, to come out with stuff like this, though, to make it sound this way, mm-hmm. I can see it. I can oh, understand yeah. it. I really can. Bob Seger on this uh, on this song. Bob Seger singing harmony on this song. Was he? Yeah. You want, a Bob, you want a Bob Seger Glenn Fry story? Yeah. Glenn Fry. Bob Seger co-wrote this, too. Glenn Fry was supposed to sing the song that Bob Seger ended up doing for Beverly Hills Cop. The Shakedown? Shakedown. Glenn Fry was supposed to do it. Had laryngitis. They gave it to Seeger. Number ah. one song. There you go. Yeah. So, but they've always been good friends. So, I mean, it's... You know. Right. They were both uh, Michigan guys. Yeah, of course. From uh, Detroit. And, and, and this album, to me, I mean, and you would think, you know me, I'm not a ballad guy. Right. I'm not a ballad guy, but but this is in the top three for me for Eagles songs. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful song! Every time I hear it, I'm, right now, yeah, I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt and I got chills. Yeah, it's what beautiful. What the hell's wrong with me? Am it's I sick? It's a beautiful sick? song. It's it's absolutely. I, I'll never get tired of this song. And I found I found myself looking at these and these uh, most of my listening to albums that I sit through the whole album yeah. are more. It's it's more mellow gold. <laughs> John I just Scott find myself is digging mellow this song. gold. I, I, I like the songs that are just more laid back. Not Banachek. He's mellow gold. <laughs> <laughs> mellow, mellow gold tonight on NBC. There you go. Come see us. <laughs> Come see us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and of course the long run song, which was the whole. Yeah, but you thing. know what? I mean, those shoes. The Greeks ain't got no. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the Greeks don't want no freaks. No, we don't want no. Yeah, thank you. With uh, Jimmy Buffett singing yeah. in the background. I yeah. mean, his the backing band on that song was uh, given credit to the Embarrassing Stains. Yep, was the name of the yeah. backing <laughs> vocal group, the Embarrassing Stains. But what a great album, man! Just yeah. Oh, so and I'll good. tell you the song that I love, which is a ballad. Sorry, uh, Sad Cafe. Sad Cafe was good too. The Henley, uh, great Henley ballad. Yep, but you won't top this one. I'm sorry. The Sad Cafe. You, you, won't. you know who did a good job on this? Uh, Vince freaking Gill. Yeah. Good Lord. Did yeah. Now he is an eagle. He is an eagle now. But he doesn't sing this one because Tim's still in the band, so right. he gets that one. And this was, wasn't this like Tim's first album with them, too? Because yes. Randy Meisner just... Yeah, Meisner was there for Hotel California. Right, and he was gone, and Tim they brought had, in Tim. Tim had been in Poco yeah. for a long time. And man, just... Uh, he brought a nice one with him. Did great he write song. this one, or is that a Henley song? This one here? Who wrote this one? Uh, this, this was a Henley. It's got to be a Henley. This was Fry, Henley, and, and Schmidt. And Schmidt, okay. Yeah, yeah. all of them. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful oh, tune. And a song. cool album. I got this album for Christmas, so yeah. this has always, always been one that's way cool with me. Where'd this peak? Come on, John. The song? Yeah. Oh, dude, I don't know. Um, 11. No, 9, I don't know. I thought it went to 4, but it went to 8. Okay. Yeah. Close. I know. We were all close. right around it. We were sniffing it. I w- I'm getting, uh, this is a little bit more, I probably, what would be the... Uh, the least selling album, the, the least known album. Think about this one because I, I did think about it. What is the least known album that would be one of those, maybe in your top 25? What would be a, a lesser known album that others would go, well, because most of these people have heard, most of everybody listening has heard every song we've played and said, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. What would be an album that maybe nobody has heard that you go, it's, it's just one of my listening songs? Do you have any of those? 
<clears throat> I've, yeah, got that, a few, I've got a couple. That, w- that would really, I'd have to wreck my brain on so that. So rack, rack on that, and maybe we'll come, and maybe that'll, we'll, uh, we'll dust up uh, the next next episode and okay. then come up with a couple of lists. All right. This is one. Now, if you if you know it, you know it. But this guy uh, lived in Jacksonville for a while, went to Bowles. Okay. But he came up here and went to Bowles when it was a military school. And then he went up to New York, <clears throat> went to Harvard, and then he went to New York, went to L.A., and basically invented country rock. He joined the Birds uh, in 1967, and then when McGuinn was, you know, could care less, I guess, or he was yeah. in between names and, and drugs. And... And so this guy kind of took over the band because they wanted nobody else was doing anything. So he added a lot of country to the birds. Okay. And his name is Graham Parsons. Oh and, yeah, yeah. He, All ended, right. he ended up starting um, the Flying Burrito Brothers. Yes. And he his voice is one of the one of the most. Uh, there's so much uh, hurt in his voice, and it's natural. Every song he sings. I mean, we were listening to the Flying Burritos album last week, and and, and Jill just goes, "You can just hear him crying." And he's just he's just a regular singing, you know, and you can just hear the pain. And I was like, that's that's why he's not a great he's not a beautiful singer. He would have never made it on the voice. Yeah. But boy, he can evoke a, uh-huh. you know, and he's he's like the Johnny Cash. Okay. It's not it, it, how does he you know, he's not a singer, he has the way he doesn't sing. Yeah. That makes it so amazing. Uh-huh. So this Graham Parsons album, this is the last one he recorded before he OD'd. Yeah. Uh, as many did. What a uh, shame. Heroin and morphine and all kind of crazy stuff. Sure, of and an incredible story about uh, the body, which we we will do that one day too. But um this one is just a little piece of uh, of a little Graham Parsons because he Emmy Lou Harris sang with him on this. Mm. They were like uh, they weren't like lovers, I don't think, but they were great friends, and she 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 brought the best out of him. Out with the truckers and the kickers and the cowboy angels. See, I could listen to this, and, and I do listen to it all the time. Yeah, I believe it. Oh, that guy had a great. Well, they do a great version of Love Hurts. They do um, the Nazareth Love Hurts. Well, it was the Everly Brothers Love Hurts. Oh, okay. Which Nazareth also copied with a little bit more bang, a little screaming. Uh, yeah, yeah. Theirs was a little nicer. Theirs was more like the Everly Brothers version. Okay, all right, all right. So let's jump back up into the '80s and songs we know and love. And <laughs> this one, which I became a big fan of this guy because he wasn't from too far up the road, and. Uh, I remember hearing him on, on the rock station when his second album came out, and he was talking to Steve Fox, and talking to Steve, and he was like, "Wow, this song!" And this how song. funny you bring up Steve Fox. Today's his birthday as we record this. Happy birthday, Steve! Not Fox. kidding, Steve really? Fox. Yep. For the longest time, Steve Fox was in Jacksonville radio and was on ninety five X. Yep. And was it anything else while he was there? Rock ninety five. Rock ninety five. He played oldies actually in the mid seventies. Right. When it was an oldie station. And then he was he was there in the afternoons on Rock ninety five. That's why he was interviewing this guy in nineteen seventy eight. Okay, and talked about the second album. He was like, "Wow, sounds like somebody really upset you." And the time goes, "Yeah, she really pissed me off." <laughs> and he would he didn't know if he could say the word pissed or something. Uh, like, well, it was like, one of those words, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant take me off, you know, one of those kind of things back yeah. in the seventies. Okay, uh, but then uh, his first two albums, known locally, I think, because he was from Gainesville. Yep. And it got some traction yep. uh, around the country. Yep. But it, when this album came out, boom. Everybody knew Tom Petty. Boom. Yep. This is on Tony's list. Uh, Damn the torpedoes. So deep, so good. Listen all the way through, play it again. And so the, good. They got uh, one of my uh, favorites. Oh, gosh. Well, I know the next song. I'm looking at the next song and I can't think of the other one I like. 
Tom Petty really hit the mainstream with this one. Oh, big time. Because the first album had American Girl, which now is more popular than it was then. You're right, because it was a stiff and, uh, top 40 wise. They did uh, Breakdown, Go Ahead and Give It To Me. Yep. That was on that. And then the second album called You're Gonna Get It had a great song, Listen To Her Heart. Yep. And uh, some other songs on there. Well, I love The Waiting. That the, was the follow up. The Waiting with, is uh, my... a, a Woman in Love. Yeah. Oh, that waiting, was my favorite. The on waiting that. is one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then. Yep. Mike Campbell wrote most of this song. He did. He had the whole song written and kind of played it for Tom and said, "What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? It's all right. I don't know. I think we can work yeah, with this maybe, one, Mike. Don't piss me off. I won't include it on the album. <laughs> <laughs> but he said they had the hardest time getting the groove on this. They had the hardest time finally finding it. And he brought really? so he broke his hand when they were making this album. I ah. think. And okay. that he just thought he knew they had a great song here, but they just couldn't find it. And they did. Oh, yeah, they found it. Okay. Mike Campbell, by the way, graduate of Reball High School in Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah. How about that? It's a great album. Damn the Oh, man. I mean, just, you know, so deep on this. Here comes my girl. Even the losers. Oh, just, yeah. Oh, man. And it was so cool because they, they all had the same kind of similar sound, but they were all kind of different. Rolling Stone Magazine had their list of 500 greatest albums of all time. In 2003, this was ranked at 313. Mm, I'd have that a little bit higher. A little higher. <laughs> I'm thinking like, you know, in the top 200. At least. That's what I'm thinking. See, and, this is the problem with Rolling Stone Magazine. Well, they, well did, you see, did you hear what Pink said? Pink really slammed them. Good. Because Pink, uh, they did the best uh, Grammy performances, uh-huh. you know, something on Rolling Stone. Yeah. And, and Pink didn't make it. And Pink did that whole thing where she was like, you know, Cirque du Soleil. And that whole Grammy, remember that uh, oh, performance where yeah. she's flipping around and still yeah. singing and everything? It wasn't even on the list? No, they didn't make their list. And so she goes, well, what do you expect from an, from a, from a magazine that hadn't been relevant since 1990? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well said, Pink. You know, I... Uh, they really are... Talk about a magazine stuck in a, in the 70s. Greg Gutfeld, yesterday, made the comment of Rolling Stone magazine. If he could buy somebody out, it would be Rolling Stone magazine. Oh, they're talking about, like, uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter? Right. Yeah. Because uh, he just... It sucks. Rolling mm-hmm. Stone ma- magazine now is... It's it's so opinion-driven, and it's biased, it's just it's it's really not what it used to be. No, I it mean just it, isn't. it was always it always leaned that way, but uh, they yeah, would they but, would still have a guy like the guy who just passed away recently, P.J. O'Rourke. Yeah, he would write, and he's more of a libertarian, conservative guy. Right. He would write uh, articles in there, so it was it was always a little bit of you would think it was a little more balanced, but uh, I'll have to go back and look and see exactly but it was, was it or not. It was more of a uh, go to then. Oh, yeah. Than now. I mean, oh, it's just, it's not even close now. That is so true. Yeah. Uh, this is a go-to for me. This album came out maybe 10 or 11 years ago. And once again, this is a local band. Uh, and this is probably, outside of the, the Graham Parsons, this is probably maybe least known, but still, this album went like top 15. So, okay. Uh, and, and they won a Grammy for it. And I thought I saw the lead singer in uh, my Publix once. So. In Publix? Because they live, they live right a down few the miles away. Yeah. But it's a, it's a big few miles away, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's Tedeschi Trucks Band. Oh, yeah, jeez. <laughs> they recorded this in their backyard. They got a studio in their backyard. They live on uh, Julington Creek. Okay. And, and they're still there? Yeah. Ah. Sure enough. You hanging out with them? No. No? no. But I thought I saw Susan in the Publix once. Oh. 
she getting a keg? I didn't. She no, I didn't. I didn't chase her down. <laughs> I didn't. You wanted to, but you didn't. I really did. <laughs> John's, say, John's hanging out by the chips. Should I go over there and talk to her or not? <laughs> She's, is she more organic or is she going for the peanut butter? <laughs> no, she's getting the hummus. Come on. <laughs> she's getting the hummus. Oh, yeah. Not really. Cool. So anyway, this album is called Revelator. It was the first album because Derek had his band and Susan had her band. They put them together. They've been married for five or six years and finally said, why don't we merge these bands so we don't have to tour separately? And what year was this? I think this album came out in 2010 or 2011. Okay. All right. And it's just, this is the music I turn on when I'm just putting something on. Right. And you listen to Susan play and listen to Derek. I mean, listen to Susan sing and Derek play. Yeah. Oh, man. Bluesy, country, southern rock. That's music. And that is. And that's, if you look at this list, and except for the pet sounds every so often, it's pretty much the stuff I like. The bluesy, rhythm and bluesy kind of stuff. Yep. I know I'm in a lane, but I love the lane I'm in. And I love this lane you're in on this well, one, Sometimes too. you get in the median and you're really messed up. Well, that's true. <laughs> Back to your list. Can't go wrong with... I, once again, which album do you choose? Which one? Right, I know. Because Willie and the Four Boys, my brother brought this home. And I was like, what is this? Because he didn't buy the first album. This was the second album. And oh, it's like, man. okay... Well, was it the second album or is it the fourth album? It might have been later. It might have been the fourth album. Yeah, because they had Green River. Green River. And that one's a number one. Green River did. That was good. The album. Yeah. They never had a number one single. Which is insane. Which is totally insane. Yep. But this was... uh, They released... Yeah, this is their fourth album. Yeah. This was the last of three studio albums they released in 69. They wrote and pumped out so many songs... In a row. Every one of their singles, every one of their big hits were between, what, 68 and 71? It was a very... I mean, this, was, this, look at this narrow gap. I it mean, was people, a short Adele window. takes a decade between records, and, and Credence, in like a 18-month period, All right, I'm put about out to that say, incredible body of work. I'm about to tell you. The majority of their hits were late 68 to 71, and they never had a number one. Which is crazy. Yeah. This was a B-side. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Down on the corner was side one. And Fortunate Son was and the Fortunate Son was the B. Went to three. Which Down album? on the corner did. Which album is Lodi on? Is that on Green That's River? on Green River. I thought so. Okay, I thought yeah. I had that. Bad Moon Rising, two. Proud Mary, two. Green River, two. <laughs> Traveling Band, two. Up Around the Bend, four. Wow. Looking Out My Back Door, two. And then they had two stiffs at eight and six. <laughs> I mean, considering. <laughs> right. Yeah, have you ever seen The Rain went to eight? Sweet Hitchhiker went to six. Oh, yeah, too bad those songs didn't last either. Right. Yeah, those songs are. They're have you ever today. seen The Rain? Has probably played more than any of those other ones. And Who'll Stop the Rain still getting played? That was a B side, if you mm-hmm. can believe that. Yeah, that's that was the, the B to Travel and Band. That's the one question I'd ask John Fogarty. Man, why did it feel like to have every song come out of your body that like that? Well, that let me tell you. Time? Have you seen him live? Yes. Still in his 70s. Yeah. More energy than you and me together. He sounds incredible. Yeah. Still sounds great. And and switches out guitars almost every song. Yeah. Crazy. I uh, never got to see this guy live, but the live album that I have of this guy is on my list. And I'm not even a huge, I wouldn't call myself a huge reggae fan. Right. But, but yeah. I am a huge Bob Marley and the Wailers live dun, dun, album dun, dun, fan. Dun. This album has got so much warmth to it. Yeah. I, the way it was produced, the way they that they captured this. And there is just something about this. This album 
always would go with me if I needed only 20 to bring. Yeah. Because it does talk about songs that, that, that albums that that'll just put you there. Yeah. It, it'll it'll put you in a place. And that's what I love about this album. In the guitar part, I always thought it was Bob Marley playing the lead guitar, and I, we can't get to it, but it, it, the, uh, it wasn't him. It was a guy named Al Anderson who was in the band for a long, long time. So and Marley it, didn't play the lead guitar. He, played, he didn't play the lead on that because oh, okay. I remember looking it up. Because the original Whalers came in concert, and they said including Al Anderson, ah. who played you know, with Bob through the 70s. I'm right. like, really? I yeah. looked it up, and I thought, son of a gun, yeah. that guy. It uh. was that guy who played that warm, it sound, just a warm guitar sound. Just Man, it was just, you can feel the breeze when yeah. you hear this album. Oh, absolutely. Oh, of course you could. Man. Of course, a rum runner wouldn't hurt either. No. But, you know, I mean. <laughs> what, else, what else you got? <laughs> and I never, never really, never smoked pot more than twice. Okay, maybe three times. Okay. But, I, I, no, really, honestly, maybe three times. I can't remember times. those six months, I but don't that was think. 20, that was like 20. But that's why, you know, this music, I, I, oh, get, yeah. I get stoned just listening to this music. Well, yeah. yeah. It puts you on a natural high. Well, speaking of drugs. Hey. We go to Tony's. How do you pick one? Well, it's not a bad one to pick, buddy. No. I, I came real close to Every Road or the White Album. But then I was like, you know what? This album I go to a lot. Yep. For this song in particular. Uh, Nowhere Man is on there? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's just deep. All their albums were, though. There were. That's why. How are you going to pick one? But it's, it's great that you did. And I... I had to. Man. It's the freaking Beatles. I had to. I would either pick Rubber Soul or, or Abbey Road, I guess. Yeah. You know, once again, can't go wrong with with any of them because I think this one might be my favorite Beatles song yeah yeah In think about life. the lyrics to yeah. this song and, and John wrote them at, at age like 24 that they were I know crazy now Rod Stewart did a cover of this he did a slower kind of a slower version and it was nice coming from a guy in his 40s to sing it because it sounded like you know kind of well worn and kind of been there done that kind right. of thing right uh, it was nice, but to hear this 24, 25-year-old guy do this, just amazing. And I like the Revolver album, too. It had some weird stuff on it. But Revolver was good, too. Some of that weird stuff I really love, but yep. I love, like, For No One. Yeah. Uh, here, There, and Everywhere, yeah. two of my favorites. Yep. So, man, anyway. A I've, quote from John Lennon about this, Rubber Soul. Yep. He said, Rubber Soul was a matter of having all experienced the recording studio. Having grown musically as well, but getting the knowledge of the place, of the studio. We were more precise about making the album. That's all. And we took over the cover and everything. That's cool. Yeah. And they did. They really did. This was a end of 65 this came out. And once to talk about, I mean, this, it, it may, kind of pales whatever John Fogarty was doing when they put out Help. And then the, the compilation, the Yesterday and Today, right. the, the American compilation, yep. Rubber Soul yep. and Revolver. I know. In like 13 months. Unbelievable. That, that is incredible. Yeah, and then, I mean, and then that, I mean, they take a break. No, about six months after that, they came out with uh, Hello Goodbye, uh, Star- uh, Strawberry, Strawberry Fields. Strawberry Fields. Yeah. And then Sgt. Pepper. <laughs> Nuts. <laughs> it was crazy. Nuts. Around the same time, uh, this guy had a big hit with a pop song. And then the next thing you know, he's putting out all kinds of great mood music. And I love his pop song. is one of my favorite pop songs ever. But this mood music of rhythm and blues. Mr. Van. Van the man. 
and the Moondance album is on my list. Yeah. Well, it's a marvelous night for a Moondance mm-hmm. with the stars mm-hmm. up above in your eyes. Talk about music. Yeah. That's, that's my, that's the, that's the stuff I'll just pop on and the rest of the album will play. Yep. And I never, never stop it because you can't. It'd be against the law. It's very hard it. to do that. Especially, I mean, you got songs like Into the Mystic, which might yep. be my favorite band song. And it stoned me. Uh, Caravan. Oh, man. I know. Yeah. I know. And I could have picked a few other Van albums, but this was the one. The one, uh, Avalon Sunset, that has the original version, my favorite version of Have I Told You Lately That I Love yeah. It? Late 80s. Yep. Beautiful album. Yep. But Van Morrison's, this one just. Get it. And see, these songs, too, were not made for top 40 radio. Mm-mm. They just weren't. Mm-mm. But the song that should have been didn't go that high. Wild Night. Oh, yeah. Van originally did that song. Yeah. It went to 28, and that was it. But yet, Mellencamp takes it to two. Right. I'm glad glad they finally, you know, somebody got it. I know. Somebody was able to hear it. Right. Because, yeah, Wild Night and uh, Domino. Domino was top ten, though, wasn't it? Uh, Did Domino Domino go to number nine? Domino went to nine. Yeah, Yeah. it did. Uh, Crazy Love. How did that not do anything? I know. You know? She got a warm sense of... It, it just didn't have a, a beat, you what, know? Whatever. He probably didn't want to release it. Whatever. Van was a little... The word iconoclast is pretty much written for Van Morrison. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it Good was, stuff. It was, it was just what we needed back then. Yep. Yeah, speaking of that. Uh-huh. This was just what we needed at the time, too, in the no late kidding. 70s. No kid. There was a lot of rock and roll that got big and fat. and Yep. I liked a lot of that stuff, like Yes and Genesis uh, but before. But this was new wavy, too. Yes. And yep. this came in sharp, just like Pat Benatar. Yeah. And kind of came in with some oh. sharp, great melodies. You're all I got tonight. Oh. Don't you? Don't you stop? Don't oh, you stop? Yeah. Moving in stereo. Oh, what an album. Best Friends Girl. Yeah. I mean, but see, Top 40 didn't get these guys right away either. No, but that was at the time, yeah, that was when album rock really was yeah. was stretching and making its heyday, and it was fighting and kind of beating Top 40 for a lot of these great songs. Well, because in the time... Because disco was happening at this well, time. Well, disco was, disco was fading away, but then 79, 80, 81, Top 40 got wimpy. Yeah, I mean, 80, 81, it definitely oh, did. Because 79, really did. it was still all disco wasn't it? That Donna yeah, Summer all over the joint. Yeah, but later in the year, though, is when it really started to kind of, she, you know, yeah. fading away a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, that's when... Yeah. That's when they were burning records in Chicago, yeah, disco, disco records. Right. Um, but these guys, just, I saw them in Gainesville um, before, um, I, I can't remember, was Benjamin Oy then? Was he still alive? I think he might have been. He may have passed shortly after that, but then now Okasik is gone. Right. Um, yeah, that's yeah. Because Todd Rundgren toured with them for a while. Did he? It was Todd Rundgren and Elliot Easton and um, yep. uh, the other guy Hawks. I mean, here you go. 1978. This album came out. Just what I needed. 27. My best friend's girl. 35. Top 40 wasn't getting it. They didn't want it because they had they had the disco. Good times roll. 41. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Then finally they hit with Let's Go. That went 14. That was in 81? That was, uh, it, it uh, debuted in June of 79. Oh, that was, seven. I'm thinking of uh, Shake It Up. That was Shake It Up was 82. 81. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Shake It Up went to four. That was, that was uh, their biggest next to, can you guess? Their biggest hit? Uh-huh. Magic? No, but what, I love that song. 
Can't get enough of that. Um, Magic went to 12, believe it or not. Oh, Drive. Yeah, Drive, went to, yeah, Drive went to 3. That's my dad's. Uh, that was my dad's favorite song. Really? My dad loved Driving, and so I played it as a single. I would play that song as a single, and he would call up and go, Hey, play that song uh, by the Doors I like. And I'm like, the cars, Dad. <laughs> the he doors? Goes, cars, doors, what the hell? You know what I'm it's talking about. It's all part about. of the vehicle. Exactly. <laughs> and he loved that song. You know, he was, what, probably 60? No, what was and he? And loved drive. Something. Yeah. Wow. He was in his mid-50s and would go, okay, I like that one. Because he had listened, you know, because his son was on the radio. But uh, now here's what's stuff, that was cool. Here's what's funny. Talking about the Cars' first album. You're All I've Got Tonight. Move it in stereo and bye bye love. Mm-hmm. All from this album. And they all and they're were all on rock listed. Radio. They're all listed as classic non hot one hundred songs. Right, because wrestling rock radio really was killing it. Yeah. Rock radio, I, I thought I know I did. My ears were on rock radio so much more than top forty yeah, in the late seventies. Me, me too. All the way through until until I got in country, really. Yeah. Because top forty had really gotten off my ears pretty much. Well, and, and a lot of a lot of the radio stations were flipping to the AC format mm-hmm. because 1980, 81, 82 it was. Oh, <laughs> how many more ballads do we need? Do we need hot air supply? I'm sorry, air supply, <laughs> but I call them hot air supply. Right. But yeah, I mean that's what it was. It was like, oh, what is this drippy shit? Yeah. Come on, and man. Like, the average age of these people were like four. I mean, the average age of the top forty artists was forty or something. It was crazy. Yeah. A lot of older people were still trying to uh, put out some of that stuff right. and hanging in. And then Michael Bolton comes out and we're really gagging all over That's the place. That's in the early 90s and then everything's but, real yeah, old then too. And I that know. was a little cycle we had there uh, for sure. Cycle? It was a cycle. I wouldn't call it a cycle. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd call it something else. Maybe more like an aneurysm or something. I don't know. But it just... Oh, I'd call this the saddest... So, I call this the saddest swan song album ever because it was the last album by the original members of this band and I thought, oh my gosh, this band is getting to totally the next level yeah. in October in 1977. And I remember hearing this when it first came on the radio. The album had just come out like Monday or Tuesday or whenever they released them back then. Yeah. And I remember hearing it. Oh, yeah. Dang. Yeah. Mm. And then waking up or night, getting home late on a Thursday night, that album came out that Monday yeah. or Tuesday. And then that Thursday night, Four days later. I think it was Tuesday that it came out. Okay, so it was like two days later, three days later, and I get home and I'm and they're playing the whole album and I'm thinking, oh cool, great, and then you're they're popping in stories of the plane crash. Yeah. And uh, October 20, 1977, my senior year at Robert E. Lee High School, Uh where many of these guys went. Yeah. But the Street Survivors album. Yeah. And I don't think it's I don't think it's nostalgic or oh yeah, that's the No, I was in love with this album on Monday or Tuesday, whenever I first heard it. And I thought this is their best album. Without a doubt. I mean, I think it surpassed everything. They had got Steve Gaines back, you know, when Steve Gaines started writing some more. Yep. And he was writing, and he, I think he infused them. He infused them with a little bit of, hey, let's go kick some more butt. Yeah. And Gary and Alan were on board. Yeah. And I think they were all trying to clean their act up. You know, yeah. you never know if uh, what could have been, the ultimate no what could have been. But no that kidding. album, Street Survivors. Huge. And, uh, great, great piece of work. Added, uh, you had this one, you had, of course, uh, What's Your Name? Yeah. But the uh, they, they covered Merle Haggard. I know. And then they did uh, the one track was from like 1971. One more time was on there. Yep. And uh, wasn't uh, what was the other one I was thinking? Well, you got that right. Was that on there you too? Got, you got that right. Yeah. That was one. I think that uh, Steve Gaines had a hand in writing. Yeah. 
And so you got that. You got I Know a Little, which Steve Gaines oh, wrote. Oh, and I love that I track. do, too. Always did. And I thought, man, and Steve even took some lead. He's saying Ain't No Good Life, and he yeah. took half the lead of uh, uh, what the one you just said. You about, got that right? You got that right. And uh, I thought, man, this is it. This is going to be great. For three days, I thought that. Yeah. You know, I three thought, days. Damn, damn. Yeah. I know. That was something. But that's certainly still a go-to for me. Of when, course. That's my rocking. Out of all the albums, I, there's not too much rock, 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 rock on here. But for me, right. But uh, that would be one. And yeah, um, yeah. yeah I got a couple more. But <laughs> I got twenty. I told you, I ended up having twenty. And we're already an hour over I know here. It. Over an hour. What am I saying? Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of, uh, here's an album that people might not know. Here's the one. Well, I had that, that Graham Parsons. That's yeah. the one I, if you're going to walk away from this, uh, I encourage you to listen to Graham Parsons. Uh, Grievous Angel would be good, or the Flying Burrito Brothers. Uh, Tedeschi Trucks, if yep. you don't know their music, uh, yep. find it. Yep. Because uh, if, if you, yeah, because you like music, you should listen to that one. Here's one from a band that was huge that many people might not remember the album because it kind of was forgotten. Um, abandoned Luncheonette from Daryl oh, Hall and Darryl John Oates. Oh, Daryl and John Oates, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It, it had some really cool stuff. It, it had did. more some John Oates co-writes, John yeah. Oates lead vocals on yep. some stuff. Yep. And Daryl was kind of like uh, on a few, just kind of the harmony guy, beautiful, of course. Right. And they had some great songs, like uh, I Had I Known You Better Then, uh, Sarah's Off on a Turnaround, the stewardess song. And then they also had, I think She's Gone was the single off it that. It was. But, but it uh, didn't do anything then. It had to be re-released. It had to be to re-released after uh, Sarah Smile, right? Yeah. And so that, that album is a really cool early, mm-hmm. and it was produced by Aerith Mardin, who produced oh. uh, the great Bee Gees, some yeah. of the great Bee Gees songs, and a lot of great albums. Yep. Average White Band, I think he might have had his hand on. Yep. And that kind of s- smooth, silky soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, that early Hall of Notes feel, man, that was a good album. I, and that's one I, I listen to a lot. Daryl Hall is touring with Todd Rundgren. I saw that. And he's doing a lot of uh, bigger cities, East Coast, Northeast, nothing down here, right. unfortunately. Well. Um, but then Hall and Oates are going to go back on the road together in like September. That's where the money is, baby. They love doing it. That's where the they money is. They love doing it. Yeah, and the last do. time they were here, I saw them like four or five years ago when they were in their late 60s. Uh-huh. Now they're early like to mid-70s almost. Yeah, Daryl Hall's got to be 70s. Well, Oates just turned 74. Yeah, I think Daryl so, maybe 70. He's right around 75. it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they still, you can tell they love it because mm-hmm. they're into it they big are. time. They, they, it's not like they're, okay, let's go on stage and just make some money. No, no they're, they're, they're really it. into it. That yeah. is cool. They're digging it. If you had to pick a Fleetwood Mac album, which one would you pick? Well, I'm here to tell you, my cousin Leah, I had solicited on Facebook uh, if you had a go-to album, and she picked Rumors. Rumors? Um, um, I would probably, if I had, I don't know, man. You know, Tango in the Night was good, too. But, right. I mean, Rumors, you can't. It's hard to argue against rumors. It is. It really is. You have to be almost a contrarian to say, well, not rumors. But right. I, the one I do love, because it was the first, my introduction to them was uh, the White Album. The White Album was The good. one that has Over My Head. Yep. And uh, uh, Landslide. Yeah. That, that's I love that song. Yep. Um, also, some great Lindsey Buckingham stuff on there. So the White Album was really good. If you Rhiannon, ever... Rhiannon is on there, Say yeah. You Love Me. If you, if you ever want a go-to DVD... To this day, to this day, The Dance mm-hmm. by Fleetwood Mac, 1997, I think it was, the USC performance. Yep. And the band comes out toward the end and they come and play Don't Stop and Tusk. It was, that's that. It, to me, that was one of their best recorded shows. They did sound good. 
Yeah. They did sound good. Yep. Uh, any other albums pop in your head? Um, our, our BG friend, uh, uh, Linda, she wrote, well, you know what I'm going to pick. It's going to be the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack? That's what she picked. Or is it going to be picked. Spirits Having Flown? No, she or picked. Children of the World? She picked the soundtrack. Okay. Yeah, because I asked her and I was like, okay, which one? Don't don't say one group and has like 20 albums. You know, narrow it down. And she said Saturday Night Fever. Okay. So that's our freak mail. We didn't need, really even need to go into that. But okay, that was well, our that's freak good. Mail. That's good freak mail. Yeah. Um, I would still have uh, the Layla album from Derek and the Dominoes okay. with Layla and Barrel Bottom Blues. Yep. All that great blues music. Same way the Tedeschi truck stuff. I mean, it's the yeah. same kind of, you know, I love that sound. The Allman Brothers album, yep. Eat a Peach, would be on my list. Um, and then there's some country albums that like uh, the Killing Time album from Clint Black was just oh, yeah. great stuff. Okay. I mean, it had it had five huge hits on it, right. but it was also, even the album cuts were just good, solid country from 1989. Um, and a newer album, uh, one of the one of my favorite newer albums is Country, and it's Morgan Wallen. Uh, you've heard Morgan Wallen? No. Okay, I'll play, I'll play a little quick little okay. piece of Morgan Wallen. All right, now I'm going to hit you with one that's really going to like okay. knock you down. Okay, Morgan Wallen, had, he had the best-selling album of last year, period, in all of music. Okay. It was called Dangerous. And this guy's he's country, he's huge in country right now. Um, but he, 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 he's more than, it's more than just that, you know? He's got a little bit more going for him. And uh, once again, you can hear the sound. It's like, oh, that's John's music. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, it I is. could listen to this stuff all day. I know you could. He does more country stuff, but this is... Yeah, you used to talk about... Getting even further south, somewhere where the summer lasted all year round. So anyway, I think I could be a country singer if I wanted to. Go for it. I think I could. Go for it. Cause I can twang. Gotta have can, more than that twang, bro. And, and I can mumble. He ain't mumble. Well, some of them to me. When I say mumble, it's me. It's not really mumbling. Me. You bring it. You sell it. You, you know I'll, what? I'll, I'll, you know, I'll sell it for you. You know. You know what I'm saying? No. Huh? No. Do you feel me? No. You don't feel me. All right, to hell with you. <laughs> so much for selling it. I'll sell it. Yeah, you right. right. Anyway, Morgan Wallen, that guy's uh, huge. Album's right, called so, Dangerous, double album. So you want me to hit you with something that you might not uh, think of me and my personality, but yes. one that I would pick as a uh, honorable mention? Here, I'll say it your way. Yeah. Buddy, you want me to tell you what it is? Tell me what's up. Diamond Life. Sade? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, come on. Yeah. Your Love is King. Mm-hmm. Not so much Smooth Operator, even though that what a great song oh, that Oh, yeah, was. I can listen to... See, that's the great thing. I can divorce myself from most of the music I played and got sick of hearing. Yeah. I can divorce myself when I'm listening to an album and go, that's cool. Hang on to your love. Mm-hmm. Just so smooth, so good. Another kind of jazzy feel, Donald Fagan-ish. Mm-hmm. But, wow. Yeah, she definitely had that smooth, jazzy kind of... Uh, yeah, Sade. But, but more... <laughs> Sadie. Sade or Sadie. Sadie. Sade or Sadie. And then it was... And then, and then remember the record label? Did we talk about this already? Where the record label... They didn't know Even how to pronounce they it. They put the pronunciation on the actual album they sent us. Yeah. Pronounced Char Day. Char Day. S H A R dash D A Y. Yeah. And we were like, not I don't, sh- I, don't sh- I don't think yeah. it is Char Day. Where's the R? Yeah. And because just because she had a British accent doesn't mean she was covering it up going, right. my name is Char Day. Right. And you think, Char Day? Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, no, her name was Char Day. <laughs> we could all say that. Let's say it together. Char Day. Char Day. Uh, so anyways, yeah, I don't think more people mispronounced a name than radio people with Sade. You feel me? I feel you. <laughs> I 
50. Oh, uh, man, we got any more? I don't uh, know if I, we got I, any more. Do oh, we have any more? I, I think... I've I got think, Zach, uh, Zach Brown album. Yeah. See, I need to, I need to give you some mentions. more country. Zach Brown, as she's walking away. Yeah. Uh, the album's called You Get What You Give. I would recommend that one. Okay. And uh, non-pop, um, Fly Me to the Moon, Sinatra. Okay. With Fly Me to the Moon and Pennies in a Stream. Yeah. The okay. Wobbling of a Meadowlark. Mm. Moonlight Vermont's on there. Dang good. Jeez, at that point, we need a drink. And Exactly. You know, I mean, that's what they did back in the day. Sinatra, Dean Martin, they were all... Everybody. Everybody. You know, and every, Sam. Every, every sitcom or drama. My gosh, everybody had like a whole whole case, a whole liquor store in their, in their right there at their desk. Yeah, I know. All hey, day long. It come was on five in, o- Columbo. It was 5 o'clock all day long. Can I get you a drink? Columbo. <laughs> Just one more question. Was Banachek on there, too? Yes, and Banachek drank. Yeah. You can bet he did, because it was the 70s, the t- 70s detective show. Wasn't he smoking cigars, too? He had the little thin cigar. He wasn't yeah. smoking a big stoke. No, he did he, that in the 18s. It's kind of like that one was of... George Papard. That's right. It was Papard, yeah. and uh, it was uh, like one of them Temperillos, or uh, no, maybe a uh, Tijuana Small he was smoking. Uh, wasn't a Swisher Sweet? I don't think it was, which uh, would have been a nice little local reference. Well, sure it would have been. But it wasn't. Okay. Uh, also, another one that'll make you want to drink, but it's really good, <laughs> is uh, "Kind of Blue" by Miles Davis. It'll make it that help. You really will want to. You'll want to as they want a highball. Uh, hey, can I get a highball? Eh, what is a highball? I don't even don't, don't know. Even, I don't even. Why am I, I asking you? Why, I don't even. I'm uh, crowning seven with a twist of lime. I'm good. Is that a highball? No. Do we it's know not. people who are bartenders? We, we need to know bartenders. I want to hang uh, on. I'm trying to find highball. Cover for me while I'm diving into the high, internet. A highball, John. Hi, here we are highball. on the Music Freaks podcast. We're talking about what the hell's in a highball? <laughs> really? Did we just veer? And, we and, veered in that lane, didn't we? Yes, you were talking about the lane being in a lane listening I, to your music, right? Because I got to Miles Davis, and yeah. that will make you want to drink a highball. Well, there whatever you go. a highball is. Okay, you hadn't figured uh, it out yet. A highball is a simple, classic, and popular way to enjoy your favorite whiskey. The recipe oh. is one every aspiring bartender should know. So it's a shot. It's it's whiskey and ginger ale. That's what this one says. Whiskey and ginger that's crown. Crown and ginger ale. A lot of people drink okay. that. Well maybe you've been that's drinking. That's not a highball. You've been drinking highballs. No, it's not. I got your highball right here. Boy, I oughta, Come on. You went there. You did. Whiskey highball. That's a whiskey highball. I you know, I used to see those, you'd see the on the ads, like if you were at a uh, restaurant that had Mixed drinks, especially late at night. <laughs> like you go to Tom and Betty's or something. Oh, and yeah. You see, the, you see the cocktails and you see highball. And I'm like, what's a highball? I don't know if I want one. Two for one house brands. <laughs> that shit is what that is. They're trying to get rid of the rock gut liquor Bottom that's been the sitting over there since 1968. All right. Any bartender listening, just tell us what a real a highball, highball is. Highball. Oh, you, we get a bartender on here. They'll be talking about a hell of a lot more than highballs. Okay. <laughs> They will. I think Patrice Russian is for Patrice so, Russian to come it's in. So time. Jeez. Come on. Oh, here we go. Oh, man. You know, I, I've never listened to a whole Patrice Russian album. I can't get past this. I mean, I just I put this on loop and I'm done. I'm, I'm done. It's like call me a cab. You know. What was the original song title? It was called Get Me a Whiskey Highball. Now see. It was. How the hell do we veer off on the highballs? Miles Davis. You and your lane. You and your lane. You're sitting on the median right now. The cop car's in the rearview mirror. I'm looking for my insurance and registration. (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) No, don't get out of the car, sir. No, sit there, please. 
Just sit there listening to your Miles Davis. T-Man and John at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts and your highball recipes. Highball recipes and <laughs> albums you can't live without. Uh, hey, we'll talk about uh, people that got sued, right? Yeah, next, I think we should. Episode. Songs that sound alike. Yeah, did they sound get alike sued songs or not sued. Did they get sued and that should kind they of have thing. Yeah. yeah. Crazy stuff. Okay, we'll do it. <laughs>